to move the conversation now to myself. Um, right? I'm a young person. Uh, we, we continuously bring this up that I represent young people here. Um, and I, I'm always trying to do this very well. Right? And in the last 10 years, uh, it was very comfortable being young because whenever the populism discussion emerged, um, it was really easy to say, yeah, you know, only old people vote for populists. We, the young people, we vote for... We would against global warming. We would against, I don't know, uh, capitalism, all of that. You know, we, we would for all the good things in the world. Um, and that was very comfortable. Right? Uh, however, recently uh, we've seen in these elections, especially in the last two years, that for some reason um, suddenly these right-wing populist parties are gaining um, a lot of support from young people. And this is uh, the moment when I now have to very self-critically look at me and my generation. And here it makes sense to start with right the individual level a little bit of what's happening with this generation in particular, what's happening with us on the individual level, that we are suddenly maybe more prone to believing right-wing, or for that sake, maybe also left-wing populist voters uh, and here, right, maybe you have a, an, a bit of a, of a more experienced view, right, on the matter of how have, how have young people developed over the last 10, 15 years, uh, maybe, maybe within your university classes, right? I mean, I, I know for a fact that all of your students are amazing, uh, just because I was one of them before, but maybe some more general observations on, on the youth uh, that you have been able to make on, on the individual level of how, maybe how their attitude has changed towards, towards politics in that sense. Yeah, yes, I'd be happy to do so. Uh, it, I, I'm slightly disturbed by the idea that if you represent young people, then does that mean that I represent old people? Because that are uh, only 45, it's not that old yet. Um, but <laughs> uh, no, I, I said, of course, I mean, I my, my experience with actual students at universities is always an incredible pleasure. And I certainly wouldn't um, speak anything negatively speak negatively about them in any way shape or form but i do think as a general um as a general observation about society as a whole the statistics don't lie right traditionally the the extreme or populist right was the domain of older people that was that was just the statistics boarded out and now you've got a very large group of young people actually feeling very attracted to people such as Millet, to people such as Wilders, even Trump and all. And in many ways, I would argue that it's because of this um, extreme version that they experience of the problems that we discussed at the beginning of this episode. Namely, the fear about society is much higher for a 20-year-old or a 25-year-old who still has their whole life to go and who is not sure if they're going to get into the job market, is not sure about any economic or social security, uh, fears the destruction of the planet because of uh, climate change, that, that fear is much more real and much more vehement than the fear of a 65 or 70 year old who has their comfortable lifestyle. That's not going to change. And when the world collapses, when apocalypse comes, they will be dead anyway. So they don't really care about it as much as young people. So young people have a higher panic level at the moment because of this. And on top of that, what you clearly see, and this is something that I do rant about to my students, um, so if any of them are listening, this will be nothing new, the lack of reading books and the dependency on social media is not just an issue of a different method of getting the same kind of information. The type of information you receive 
through social media, through the internet, as opposed to a book or even just a standard newspaper is very different. And the process of absorbing that news is very different. You are much more confronted with violent emotional images on the internet, on social media. You have less time to reflect on something. If you have to read a book that's 400 pages long, you have an awful lot of hours in which while reading, you can think about the things, you can absorb it calmly and you don't fall into this panic mode. The fact that the new generation doesn't read books anymore, at least not to the extent as previous generations, means that their relationship with the truth and with reality around them has substantially changed. And that makes them very susceptible to um, some leader saying, oh, I know that life is tough for you. I know that you're a victim of previous generations, but I'm going to do things radically differently. It makes them much more prone to accepting that because they don't have the intellectual and analytical baggage to push back against that. They will just take it for granted. On top of that, you've got your generation being told that they have to always respect their own opinions, right? This this idea of, hey, uh, it's my opinion. I've got a right to my opinion. Um, don't criticize my opinion, bro. That kind of attitude is really, really dangerous because it means that whatever intuitive idea pops up into your head now all of a sudden has a much bigger status in your mind than it should have. So here you've, you're fearful, you're afraid, a leader comes and says, I've got a solution, radical solution, vote for me, we're going to get rid of the central bank and that's going to somehow sort it all out. You have no idea about whether getting rid of the central bank is good or bad, but it sort of feels good and now you are into this bubble and you uh, have no intellectual capacity to push back against it anymore. You're convinced that this is now your opinion as well. Getting rid of the central bank is the way to go. Hence, you're going to vote for that leader that, uh, that has planted that idea in your brain in the first place. The same can be seen with um, the anti-immigration rhetoric. The same can be seen with the rhetoric against um, establishment parties being into some kind of conspiracy. It is, it is a world in which people are less knowledgeable, young people especially, less knowledgeable, less intellectual, more convinced of their own righteousness than ever before, but also more fearful. And that is a toxic combination that is being abused by scrupulous leaders. Mm. To maybe discuss this from the youth perspective, uh, yes, you are in fact the old one uh, here in the podcast, representing the older generations. Um, right, this makes sense. I mean, uh, let's let's take for example the Israel-Palestine situation. Just over the last two two months, um, the amount of graphic images uh, we've seen is obviously a lot higher than I would say within within under uh, with within other age groups. However, not only that, it's that then only on, to uh, is that on top of that, you also have your friends and your perceived friends, right? So an influencer, the reason why they're so influential on us is because there's almost like a very personal connection, like a friendship connection we have between them. While your generation uh, was, I don't know, convinced by George Clooney drinking an espresso uh, next to uh, Lake Como, right? There's that, oh, well, the George, George's, uh, you know, gorgeous George Clooney doing this, that's amazing. But for us, it's more like, oh, the person that I'm interacting with all day long, the person that I'm basically following for years already, they are now posting about this. So the level of trust is a lot higher into them, right? So it's easier to be susceptible by in, 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 that, in that sense. Um, 
And I do see that. And obviously, on top of that is the lack of intellectual interest and opinion, uh, right? Uh, it's you have uh, instead of reading that 250 page book, let's be honest, 400 page books are, are too much. Um, you you now read these these small little posts on Instagram or on TikTok or what, what whatever platform uh, suits you best, right? And that to you feels like genuine information. And yes, that's it's basically like reading only headlines of newspaper articles, but that's not giving you the full information. And that is kind of paired with now um, universities no longer really being universities what they used to be, right? They used to be these these meccas in that sense for. Let's let's sit down for a few years and let's think, let's learn how to think about things that might not even be important to me right now, but learning how to think about this will help me to apply my knowledge and critical thinking about that. And by now, let's be honest, universities are basically just a big, big old training machine for the job market instead of learning about, I don't know, the, uh, yeah, one second, I should actually have a smart concept to say now. Um, the uh, what, what was Hegel uh, dialectische what's it called in English dialectic um, uh, Hegel Hegel's dialectische Dingsbums here uh, Hegel dialectic uh, the dialectic of Hegel right is that was it called in English yeah 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 ah, okay I, I thought it was a second word attached to it right um, let's see yeah okay um, So instead of learning about the dialectic of Hegel, you now learn about tax stuff, finance stuff, and uh, I don't know management. You know how can I how can I manage X? How I can I do how can I do this? Right? These are things that, if you ask me, should be learned on the job. But before you should actually have the opportunity to learn about something that might not even have to do something with your job, but just so that you've had the opportunity to learn about something, and to most importantly learn how to learn. Right? It's not just have next the next concept that's important for you uh, right uh, at work uh, hammered into your head but you learn how to learn and i think that's an essential part that's missing nowadays most likely also from the schools and i think that allows for students to be very susceptible by right-wing and most likely also left-wing populist leaders absolutely i i am sort of hurting every day because of that uh, I don't know if universities were ever a mecca of knowledge, but at least that was the ambition, right? And now that's no longer the ambition at all. There, there are a lot of factors that come into play here. The fact that um, university education has become more expensive again after generations, after generations trying to make it more accessible. Now universities become more uh, more the domain of the elites once again, which means that if you pay a lot of money to go to university, you expect somehow to that automatically lead to a good job. What does that require? A completely different mindset at university than just going to university, study philosophy or study Latin, just because you want to know more about Latin and philosophy. You want to expand your brain, right? Uh, universities are no longer there to provide us with intellectual perspectives expanding our understanding of the world they're there as another important step on the job market ladder and that is incredibly damaging and dangerous um, being this being such a job machine means that people young people are no longer equipped to deal with the complexity of the world it means that they are no longer uh, dealing with 
the deeper questions in life, they straight away just want to know how, how does this help me to actually get a job in the next three months after graduating. And universities are ad, uh, advertising based on that, right? They're marketing based on that. That is, that is, that is, that is destructive. It is dangerous. It, it, it undermines society because it means that we have now a whole new generation that misunderstands the value of knowledge. Knowledge is not there to get a good job. Knowledge is there because that, as a human being, um, helps you navigate the world. And without that knowledge, you're going to be prone to dangerous dynamics. Being ignorant about complexity in the world means that you will vote for destructive populist leaders. And that's exactly what we're seeing. So yeah, after I've now ranted about young people and their individual shortcomings and how this leads to them voting for right-wing populist leaders, um, there's another element that I feel very strongly about um, and I think might might also be a very good explanation of why young people would even consider voting for, for right-wing populist leaders. Um, and that's the last four years. I mean, so right, we're now in, in uh, December of, uh, of, of 2023. I would say exactly four years ago, most of us heard about COVID for the first time. Um, and then it really only became a thing in 2020. And I, I vividly remember the first few months of the pandemic, especially from a young perspective, right? Because there was this sense that there's a big danger coming. Um, it's not super dangerous to young people, but it's more dangerous to towards old people. And we, right, as young people now have to step up and we were being asked to step up to stay at home, um, you know, wear a mask, well, not in the first few months, right, but be, be responsible, stay away, keep your distance. Um, and we were asked to do that in the first few months. And I remember kind of young people having this feeling, this almost a sense of importance, right, of yes, we are going to stay at home together online. <laughs> we're going to do all these little funny online trends. Um, and we're going to, for three months, you know, we're going to stay home so we can protect the elderly. And right, for, I don't know, I, I think this is something very beautiful. I really like that reaction. Um, but that period, instead of lasting for three months, then lasted for three years. Right? So I can imagine the frustration of young people because I'm part of that, right? I mean, I personally was a bit more, more, more privileged during university simply because uh, right, it was towards, towards the last few years of my university. But all those, all those kids right, who graduated high school throughout COVID, who couldn't see their friends, couldn't have a real graduation, couldn't, I don't know, enjoy that last year of, of high school, which is very magical. They couldn't really enjoy the first year of university, which is also very magical. Those, all those first experiences, they had to stay home. They couldn't really go to university, they had to stay online, They could, failing exams because online classes suck, um, all of that, right? So you have COVID being terrible to them. Then suddenly there's a war. Thank you very much. Um, you you hear talks about the world ending, World War Three happening all the time. Um, then the economy is suddenly kaput, right? There's inflation happening. Uh, the job market is getting more and more difficult to navigate because now you've had, let's be honest, you've had uh, high school. Now you may have finished university already. You're now be graduating with your with your bachelor's degree, and you're trying to enter the job market, and the job market is non-existent because nobody's hiring anymore. I can understand if young people are frustrated and angry at the world, right? You were you were basically asked to, to stay quiet for three months, right? Say, help the old people. And then three or four years later, everything is worse, right? You The promise of you will one day have it better than your parents 
is non-existent anymore. How are we going to have it better than our parents? We're not employed right now. We had a terrible time in university. We want to be young, wild and free. And we were young, sad and locked up. Speaking of sad, right? Mental health, all of that, it's down the drain. So I understand young people being frustrated and therefore being susceptible to right-wing populist leaders. Yes, and policy is being made by older generations, right? And, and there, there's some there's some reason for that. I, I'm, we have to be a little bit careful with wanting a 25-year-old to become a prime minister or president of a country. There is some value in being experienced. But policy is being made by the generation, by basically my generation and the older generation, above my generation. Um, and that means that they do not connect to the realities that young people are facing. And so COVID was very much anti-young people, people, right? Young people had nothing to fear from COVID on average, uh, and they weren't really part of the decision-making process. Um, the way that the economy is being shaped is incredibly aggressive and incredibly painful to young people. They're not really part of the equation. The fact that we're not spending way more resources on the environment is uh, very much by a generation that doesn't feel that their life is going to be affected by the environment. But young people who are now 10, 15, 20 years old are going to be hugely impacted by climate change. So what you see is a pattern where the establishment does not sufficiently take young people into account. And then young people are prone to turn to um, radical leaders who say, I'm going to fight that establishment, right? That is a normal, natural reaction. On top of that, uh, the inability of new generations to actually take a step back because of this bombardment by social media and because of this lack of intellectualism among uh, the new generation means that they are very, very prone to being manipulated. Their concerns are real. Their concerns are understandable. The answer that they seem to provide, not so much. Mm -hmm.